0: Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911.
1: Soul Patrol Jesus 911. Two Catholics retired from the Sheriff's Department that love the Lord. We are reporting for duty. The month of September is devoted to Our Lady of Sorrows. Our Lady of Sorrows is a devotion given to us by St. Bridget of Sweden. She passed away in 1373. During this month, devoted to Our Lady of Sorrows, we're invited to to, uh, console the sorrowful heart of Mary and to unite our sufferings to hers, and by doing so, receive beautiful graces of consolation and strength. And so we pray, Our Lady of Sorrows, pray for us. We also pray, Virgin Most Powerful, Pray for us today. Today is also the most holy name of Mary. That's a devotion in the Catholic Church, where we, uh, as Catholics, we uh, today we honor the holy name of Mary. Today we're going to talk about eschatology. It'll probably be a two-part series. And let me check if my uh, if my uh, sidekick Paul Clay is on. Paul, are you on? No, he's not on yet. They're trying to get a hold of him. Got it. So. We're going to talk about eschatology. What does eschatology mean? It means the study of the end times. That's what eschatology means. The study of the end times. There's a great article that's been put up by a very well-respected Italian journalist. His name is Marco Tassati. He was born in Genoa in 1947, he's a renowned Italian journalist. And since 1981, he's covered the religious and political activity of the Holy See at the Vatican. And he also, he writes for the daily newspaper, La Stampa. This article, he takes the thoughts of a young Cardinal Ratzinger. He takes the thoughts of a theologian back in the 4th century, Ticonius, And he takes also the Fatima prophecies... He gives us an interpretive key to, t- to understand the end times. So, we'll go right into it because it's a rather lengthy article and there's a lot to comment on here. He writes, Marco Tassati, It's no easy task to understand the present crisis of evil within the church, which at times may seem overwhelming. Benedict XVI has indicated that the theology of Ticonius was a 4th century theologian, can assist the church in understanding how to expose and ultimately defeat the evil of false brethren who lie within her. Notice, St. Paul also talks about false brothers in the true church. Ticonius picks up on this and he says even in the 4th century, there was false brothers, false Christians in the Catholic church already in the 4th century. Ticonius's insights overlap in various ways with the message of Fatima. If we consider Benedict's comments about Fatima in light of the Tyconian theology of the end times, we're offered a unique perspective on the nature of the church and the anti-church during their final confrontation. So this is a theme that keeps coming from a lot of writers of eschatology, the church versus the anti-church. This is even something that was used by uh, John Paul II back in 1978. He used that phrase. So, Ticonius, this 4th century theologian, his commentary on the book of Revelation, on the apocalypse, he says this, The bishops do, under the guise of a gift of the church, what advances the will of the devil. That's a powerful statement. The bishops do this is in the fourth century. He's probably talking about the Arian heresy. The bishops do under the guise of a gift of the church what advances the will of the devil. This uh, this is a fourth century commentary, probably talking about again the uh, the, the the Arian heresy of the fourth century. But again, th- this also sounds eerily like what's happening today with all these synods, with uh, statements being made by, by people in the highest places in the church that homosexuals have gifts to offer the church or the gift of Mother Earth. These are statements being made. Uh, and in my opinion, it doesn't advance the cause of Christ. It, it it advances the cause of secular humanism and Satan. Joseph Ratzinger, who later became Pope Benedict XVI, Back in 1956, he he wrote in a book called *Concept of the Church*. He says, "The Antichrist belong." This is this is Joseph Ratzinger, 1956, who later became Pope Benedict. He said, "The Antichrist belongs to the Church, grows in it, and with it until the great apostasy, which initiates the final revelation." Very interesting. Paul, are you there? Just I'm checking to see if Paul Klazer is there. Okay, got it. So, what's interesting here is that the young Joseph Ratzinger says that the Antichrist is not something apart from the church, but that the Antichrist belongs to the church, grows in the church. And the Antichrist won't be separated from the church until the great apostasy. These were the reflections of the young Joseph Cardinal Ratzinger. Um, it's a... Another author by the name of Giorgio Agamben. The book is called The Mystery of Evil, Pope Benedict XVI and the End Times. This was written in 2013, quoting Pope Benedict XVI. It is not possible for the church to survive if it passively defers a solution of the conflict that tears apart the two-part body to the end time. This is an interesting phrase. The two-part body. You'll see... Uh, Marco Tassetti, this uh, this uh, it, it, Italian journalist, is very respected Italian journalist. talks about this two part body, and you'll see in the article where he says that you have the body of Christ and and the and, and the body of the Antichrist coexisting together. Uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll we'll get into the article as he says this. So Marco Tassetti writes. During his general audience on Wednesday, April 22nd, 2009, Pope Benedict XVI made a remarkable reference, again, to an obscure ancient Christian writer from North Africa, Ticonius. By designating Ticonius that April day as a great theologian, uh, a great theologian who lived an ascetical life of prayer in the desert. And uh, Pope Benedict was hoping that at least that at least some souls seeking to understand the perplexing trials of the church during these times would wonder why. Pope Benedict dropped clues about cues on other relatively obscure Latin church writers like Ambrose Otpert. Ambrose Otpert, Pope Benedict says, came into contact with the interpretation of the book of Revelation bequeathed to us by Tyconius, in his commentary, he, Ticonius sees the apocalypse, the book of Revelation, above all, as a reflection of the mystery of the church. Ticonius, his 4th century theologian, had reached the conviction that the church was a bipartite body. On the one hand, he says, she belongs to Christ, but there's another part of the church that belongs to the devil. This is a very interesting theological proposition by the way and this is my comments here. What does the word bipartite mean? It means shared by two or divided into or consisting of two parts. So, Ticonius is 4th century theologian. Once again, he says that the church was a a bi, bi, bipartite party body, excuse me, body. On the one hand he says she belongs to Christ, but on the other the church belongs to the devil. Within this his catechesis, Benedict XVI imparted several salient indicators of his own understanding of the true nature of the eschatological drama that is currently unfolding within the Catholic Church. For Pope Benedict Emeritus, Tyconius, the 4th century theologian, his conception of what will happen to the church in the end times provides an important missing link for grasping the unprecedented moment in the economy of salvation at which the Holy Father believes the church and the world have now arrived. As well as offering insight into his exceptionally enigmatic resignation. So as early as nineteen fifty-six, Joseph Ratzinger was intrigued by the fourth-century African theologian Ticonius when, as a young man, a Ratzinger, a burgeoning priest and professor, he crafted and published an essay entitled Reflections on Ticonius, Concept of the Church. In, the, in this essay, Ratzinger explores what he calls the paradox of Ticonius. The fact that a man conscien- consciously and willingly places himself outside of any concrete ecclesiastical communion while still wanting to remain a Christian and believes he belongs to the true church. Tychonius, his exposition, this fourth-century theologian, he wrote it around 390 AD. It was the the first commentary of its kind on the final book of Sacred Scripture, the book of Revelation. It was a commentary that shaped the Latin reception and the interpretation of the book of Revelation for the next 800 years. Tyconius postulates in his commentary, his exposition, that there are two cities in the world, one of God and one of the devil, one originating from the abyss, the other from heaven. We'll continue talking about this this is young Cardinal Ratzinger and uh, a 4th century theologian, Ticonius. The reflections about the things that have to happen before the world ends. This is called eschatology. We'll be right back. Jesus 911. Stick around.
0: Now... Back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151.
1: Today's the feast day of the most holy name of Mary, pray for us. We've got uh, Paul Clays on the line. Paul, welcome to Jesus 911. We're talking about um, it's a very interesting essay written by Mark Marco Tassati. Marco Tassati is a very respected Italian writer. He's been writing for the Vatican, uh, since, I think since 1981. He's a religious and political writer f- at the Holy See, and he also writes for the daily newspaper La Stampa. What Marco Tassati did in this article, he took the, the thoughts of a young Cardinal Ratzinger, Joseph Ratzinger, or Father Ratzinger, a fourth-century theologian by the name of Tyconius, and he also took some of the Fatima messages. And what he's done in this article is he's he's given us basically a timeline of eschatology, of the way things will play out before the second coming of Christ. Hmm. So, uh, we'll just continue with the article, and we'll just uh, we'll just comment uh on every on every section because there's there's just a lot of meat and potatoes here. Paul, unless you want to add something before I start.
2: No, go ahead, Jess.
1: Uh okay. interested to see where this is going. Yeah. So this paragraph that Marco Tassadi write, it's called The False Brothers Within the Church. The False Brothers Within the Church. Uh, he says Tychonius did not regard the world as neatly or conspicuously segregated into those two obvious parts. Rather, he observes that there's an additional bifurcation. The people of the devil also are divided into two parts, which fight against only one. Because of this, the church is called a third part, and the false brothers another third, and the heathen world a third. Further evidence of this twofold composition of the people of the devil is seen when Tyconius designates the city of the devil as Babylon. Babylon is evil. Tyconius writes, whether in the heathen or in false brothers, for Tyconius, the city of the devil exists both outside the church and inside the church, not only among the pagans, but also among imposter Christians. So here's what's very interesting. Let me just try to unpack this. Tyconius this 4th century uh, catholic theologian who pope benedict really respects and he's written a, he's written you know a, a lot about him so he says that the devil the the city of the devil has two parts one inside the church one outside it in in the culture then he says also within the church you have the true believers then you have the false believers what saint paul the apostle would say the false apostles so it's very interesting i never I never thought about it, the way it's divided, probably into four parts. You have the sons of the devil outside in the culture, mm-hmm. and then you got the sons of the devil within the church. Then you have, uh, again, the true believers in the church, and then you have false believers in the church. But you don't know they're false believers yet until we get closer to the second coming of Christ, or what Tyconius calls the
2: great apostasy. Paul, comment? Well... Just like sacred scripture says, yes, uh, darkness fears the light, for fear that it will be exposed. So it only stands to reason that uh, these double agents, for lack of a better word, these infiltrators who have infiltrated the church for uh, ominous reasons, uh, they, uh, you know, they hesitate, you know, to show themselves. Until the time, until they feel it's safe to come out, so to speak, and and I think we're living in a time right now where so many things are going on in the world uh, that uh, some feel that it's safe to come out, yes. And they and they are not uh, holding back at all because they what they want to do is a, they want a radical change, they want to change the truth about God, and we know God's immutable, Jess. God cannot change. From everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Uh, this is why, um, uh, this is the battle we find ourselves in today. And like you said, some of these imposters, some of these infiltrators hold very high places oh, yeah. within the body of Christ.
1: Absolutely. Look at what John the Apostle says in the Bible here, just to show you how long this has been going. First John chapter 2, verse 18. Mm-hmm. Then John writes, he wrote this 2,000 years ago. He says, Children, it is the last hour, and as you you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come, therefore we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us, for if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might be plain that they all are not of us. This is exactly what Ticonius is talking about in, uh, in his exposition on the book of the Apocalypse, is that even within the church you've got true believers, then you've got false apostles, false believers, but they won't leave the church, Paul. They're going to stay in the church to, uh, as they say, make a mess of things.
2: Yeah. 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 And and Jess, this has been going on, as you know, since Cain and Abel, (laughs) right? Uh, Cain killed his brother Abel. His brother Abel uh, displayed true religion and obedience to God. And Cain, which would be the the evil line, uh, you know, he wanted to do things his way. So this battle, you know, as it plays out through history, uh, continually uh, gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So when we're talking about eschatology, um, uh, you, you know, you just read uh, John the Apostle, uh, you know, it had a first century fulfillment and it was huge. I mean, it was literally the end of the world for for the Jewish uh, for the Jews and their temple. Yep. Uh, and, and their priesthood. But, yeah. Right. But now, since Christianity, uh, since Jesus Christ established the church and he commanded the church to go out into the world, and that's exactly what the church has done throughout history, uh, we see now a pushback from the world. Uh, We see uh, the sacred scripture talks about the restrainer being lifted. Um, and we see God who, who allows us to maintain our free will. He's not going to force us to love him. Uh, so he lets this play out and uh, to our to our folly. right I mean you know, this, is, this is to our you know, to our destruction in the end right. because we know what happens in the end. That's right. The article says referring to false
1: brothers, Ticonius speaks in the biblical sense, following the example of Saint Paul and Saint John, Tyconius thus refers to a mysterious presence of evil within salvation history that is seen throughout sacred scripture and culminates in the bipartite structure of the church.
2: Hmm.
1: What is bipartite? Consisting of two distinct bodies that coexist in the same visible institution even though they are diametrically opposed to one another. That's exactly what Tyconius saw in the 4th century John saw in the 1st century we're seeing that in the 21st century we're seeing two bodies coexisting within the same visible institution the one holy catholic and apostolic church yeah. and the two bodies are diametrically exposed, opposed you have one body that embraces tradition and orthodoxy you have the other body that that uh, embraces modernism
2: and heterodoxy, Paul, comment? Jess, this is the tears. And and the wheat, right? Yeah. Let them grow up together. This is we're talking. When we're talking about the parable of the tares and the wheat, we're talking about the church. You know, we're not talking about the world here. We're talking about the church within the body of Christ. You know, you're going to have, uh, uh, you know, the legitimate wheat that is, you know, and you're going to have weeds. And uh, as you know, in the parable, what does it say? Oh, you know, uh, they can't root them up uh, while the process is going on. Why is that? Lest you root up some of the wheat, <laughs> right? That's so right. yeah, come yeah. harvest time, then we'll separate. So ultimately in the body of Christ, uh, you know, it's going to take, uh, you know, the second advent of Jesus Christ to ultimately uh, to to clean resolve house this problem. dilemma
1: yeah, yeah clean house seriously I mean that's the best way To put it the clean house Yeah, The article says It's quoting uh, David Robinson The author of the introduction of the English translation Of Tyconius's exposition He notes the following For Tyconius there are a left and a right part In the body of the Lord The church is both black and beautiful Good and evil and enemy and beloved In his own words Tyconius expresses This belief in a variety of ways In the one body, there are two parts, one persevering, the other transgressing. The good men are mixed with the evil evil in the church up to the end of time. That's what Paul just said right now. The church will not spew out every evil person, but only some, for the purpose of showing to the world what the last persecution will be like. But with one mind, she tolerates the others. Although spiritually they are outside, nevertheless they seem to be active inside. There are two buildings in the church, one built upon the rock, the other one, and another uh, upon sand. This is those who seem to be in the church, but are really outside. The false brothers who have rejected Christ, confess Him with their mouths, but by their actions they say, we have no king but Caesar, except Caesar. And there is blasphemy, not only in the kings of the world, by whom those inside the church are condemned, but it is even in the very but it is even in the very ones who are inside. Very powerful reflection there, Paul comment?
2: Yeah, listen. Uh, I'm comforted, Jess, when you know sacred scripture and you listen to the words of Christ when he says, "My sheep hear my voice. yes Amen. you know and, and he says, and I know them and they follow me. You see the sheep know the voice of the shepherd. And, uh, again, we in the Catholic Church, we have the, the, you know, the wonderful history of 2,000 years of orthodoxy. Uh, There's nothing new under the sun, Jess. Again, these things have been, uh, you know, uh, the Antichrist, and as, as as John the Apostle said, many Antichrists have already reared their head. But the good news is, is that the sheep hear the voice of the shepherd, and... Uh, because his voice is distinct, Jess, and we instinctively are comforted and we know. And so I always say the truth rings true. And, um, so, um, there's no confusion when you set your mind on Christ. God says, those that seek me will find me and I will not hide my face from them.
1: Amen. Paul, something interesting about these false apostles, these false People within false brothers, uh, Tyconius calls them. They're in the church. Yeah. He yes. says that they built they built their faith upon sand. Where those mm. inside the church that hear the voice of the Shepherd, they they built their uh, faith upon the rock. Yes. But both of them are inside the church. We'll continue talking about this incredible eschatological reflection by the young Joseph Ratzinger, Tyconius. And some of the Fatima prophecies will give you our commentaries. Stick around. Don't go anywhere.
0: Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151.
1: Soul Patrol Jesus nine one one two man car Jess Romero Paul Clay. We're talking today about eschatology. That means the study of end times. Some of the things that have to happen before the second coming of Christ. Mm. There's a great article by Marco Tassati, very respected Italian journalist who's been writing since the early '80s on the Vatican, on the Roman Curia. Highly respected journalist over in Italy, writing about church and political affairs he took the writings of joseph ratzinger he took who we know as pope benedict he took the writings of tyconius a 4th century uh, catholic theologian and he took the and he also took the prophecies of fatima and he basically interfaced them then he's put out this article about some of the consistencies between those three people uh, ratzinger tyconius and the fatima message of what has to happen before the second coming of Christ, so the article says, Tyconius perceives this bipartite typology. That means two things co-e- coexisting with one—a bad and a good—coexisting within one body. This bipart typology, written large from the written writ large from the beginning of the Bible to the end. Where do we see it? In Cain and Abel, in the sons of Noah. Shem and Japheth. They're blessed while Ham is cursed. We see it in Ish- Ishmael and, and Isaac. We see it in Esau and Jacob. We see it in the, in the kingdoms of Judah and Israel. The pattern about good and evil coexisting together is present within the twelve apostles, among whom there is a devil, Judas. Yes. Jesus frequently alludes to it in his preaching, The Weeds and the Wheat the net thrown into the sea that collects fish of every kind, the good fish and the bad fish, the ten virgins, five of whom were foolish, and five wise, the sheep and the goats. In the book of the Apocalypse, this theological construct is prevalent in the angelic pronouncements made to even to each of the seven churches, all of which point out the, the presence of an element within the church that is unholy. Mm the the church's continual clash with the devil is central the is a th- central theme of ticonius commentary yet he's particularly preoccupied with the war waged within the church that's what we're concerned with paul that mm-hmm. specifically yes robinson again offers an insight that's striking when considered in the context of the present crisis of the church he's robinson writes ticonius primary concern is the historical and spiritual conflict between the Lord's body, the church, and the devil's body, which Ticonius frequently calls the enemy body. The term anti-church is a fitting designation for the devil's body because his body masquerades as the church. Mm-hmm. For example, Ticonius notes that the bride of Christ and the whore of Babylon are both adorned with gold, silver, and precious stones. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. The devil's body imitates the Lord's holy body, so that one one may be deceived by the similarity of splendor. Paul comments.
2: Yes, yes. Locked you know, Jess, again, uh, let's look. Let's let's take this back into history. When we look at Jesus, the word of God made flesh. He came to his own and his own received him not, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, Jesus Christ was persecuted first and foremost by who? The Jewish people. Those who should have. His own. Yeah, from his own. And likewise, the mystical body of Christ, as we move through history, uh, uh, You know, he he warned us, beware of wolves in sheep's clothing. Uh, This is this theme is is the battle, you know, and and I'm thankful for it, Jess. Guess why? Because this gives us an opportunity. This gives the faithful an opportunity to show that the things that we believe are things that are worth dying for. Things that when the persecution happens, a persecuted church it's a holy church, and that's what's going on right here. Where you know the process is not a you know is not pleasant uh, when they yeah. have to uh, heat heat up the gold in order to get the dross out to you know to get all the impurities out. I mean, nobody. I mean, the heat is tough. But guess what? In the end, what's left? Pure gold. <laughs> That's right. I love that. I love that. I love the wisdom of God. You know, uh, the thing that the world runs from, which would be, you know, any type of uh, adversity, any type of conflict. They really, you know, they want to, they want to get away from that stuff, but we run to it because we know that it's an opportunity for us to share in the sufferings of Christ. Amen. Amen.
1: Yeah. So Marco Tussati, good stuff, Paul. Marco Tussati writes, tyconius identifies this enemy body that camouflages itself with the outward trappings of the church, using two biblical terms he deems interchangeable: the mystery of iniquity, means the mystery mm-hmm. of sin, and the abomination of desolation. Well, that's a powerful statement, Paul, that the yes. enemy camouflages himself. In other words, Paul, they're in the church. The 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 the, the um, what's the that's, what's that old uh, that old war in Greece? It's called. Uh, uh, the Trojan horse is in the city of God.
2: Yes. Yes. Right. We often say, yeah, yeah, and we have all, what, what do we say? Uh, the enemy is no longer just at the gates. The enemy has now entered in. Uh, didn't, uh, who was it? Was it Pope Paul VI that said the smoke of Satan has yes. entered into the church?
1: 1974.
2: Yes. yes.
1: Prophetic statement. Mm-hmm. Uh, the article says, according to Tyconius... This iniquitous, abominable, adverse entity will be fully revealed only at the time of what Tychonius calls the great decessio or apostasy. That's uh-huh. the Latin word used by St. Jerome in his, in his translation of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. He says, Let no man deceive you by any means, for unless the decessio, the apostasy, comes first and the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, close quote. Mm -hmm. Many translations render this word as apostasy or revolt, but the Latin term clearly has a sense of a falling away or a separation. It is only at the time of the falling away that the bipartite condition of the world, two cities, one of God, one of the devil, will be wholly laid bare and displayed in what will actually be a tripartite division. You're going to have the true church, the false church and the heathen world at the second coming of Christ. Those are the three things that will be laid bare or be exposed. The true church, the false church that was within the true church, by the way, and the heathen world. Ticonius explains before the falling away happens, that's a great apostasy, everyone is considered the people of God. When the falling away will have happened, when the third part of the people of God will appear, for after the unity, there's going to be another separation in the last contest. Paul, what's scary is that, as Saint Paul calls on these false apostles, these false brethren, are in the church right now, and they're making a mess of things.
2: Comments? Oh, you know they. You know, folks out there listening, you don't need us to connect those dots for you because you get a, you get a, a front row seat every week. Uh, you, you see it, you, you do, you, you see it in mass, you see it, you know, uh, there, um, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, it's, it's everywhere. And we just have to recognize and understand, we know what the truth is. Uh, we know the truth, uh, and we must obey the truth. There can't be any compromise, um, this is, this is what modernism is, by the way. Modernism has, you know, the church has been under attack from modernism uh, and modernism has systematically, uh, you know, corrupted so many prelates and so many of the faithful. Uh, the, our formations now have just fallen away to uh, almost, uh, you know, when I, Jess, when I look at God, in the Old Testament, and I see, example, worship, and how he displayed every little detail that had to be followed about how he was to be worshipped, and if and if and if they went to the right or the left of that, eh, it was not good. You know what I mean? And yeah. and yet, when I see today how people, you know, approach God in such a cavalier manner yes uh it just it blows me away and i'm thinking do we understand that we are coming into the presence of the holy Mm. uh you know i'm still you know and 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 and, you know look at i'm not claiming that you know you know this is something this is where god has brought me in my own life to understand that who you know Uh, the angels, day and night, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. You know, they had six wings. With two, they covered their eyes. They couldn't even look upon the Lord. With two, they covered their feet, you know, which identifies their creatureliness. And then with two, they flew. And day and night, they said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. This is the God that we serve. And um, to, to approach him uh, he's immutable, Jess. He's the same today as he was yesterday. He with him, there's no shifting nor shadow of change. And so if God uh, demanded proper worship, you know, e- you know under the old covenant, how much more under the new covenant that was sealed in the blood of his precious Son, the Lord Jesus Christ?
1: Yeah, when you see how God is meticulous about everything, build yes. the temple. The, you know this many miles. Put yeah. adorn it with this. Put this there. Yeah, God is God is into uh, precision. Mm-hmm. He's into aesthetic beauty. Yes, he's into or proper order. You, you know, God didn't just throw creation like you know you just uh, throw some uh, piece of piece of slime up against the wall to see if it sticks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. God was very precise. In creation, and he's always and also very precise, you can see in the old testament about how one is to approach him and worship him. Yep. Yes. The article says here for tyconius again, this is gonna be a two or three parter because this there's so much to this eschatology here, and it's so good. We 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 just we don't want to gloss over it. Jesus 911, two man car, <clears throat> two retired cops that love the Lord Jesus Christ, uh worth worth the service of Christ. We report for duty every day to the Lord Jesus Christ. Man. and we are and we are servants of the blessed virgin mary the queen mother we'll be yes. right back
2: yes
0: now back to jesus 911 if this call is not an emergency dial 888-526-2151
1: Soul Patrol, Jesus 911, we're talking about eschatology, that's the study of the end times. Mm-hmm. Marco Tosati, a very respected Italian journalist has been writing about politics and, and, and uh, Vatican affairs since the early 80s, wrote an article about the end times, what has to happen, or the things that are happening before the second coming of Christ. He quotes a young Cardinal Ratzinger, who we call Pope Benedict Sixteenth. he quotes Tyconius, the 4th century... Cat, respected Catholic theologian and he also quotes the Fatima message and he interfaces all three to provide us a commentary on things that have to happen or are happening before the second coming of Christ here's what Tussetti he writes he writes for Ticonius, it is only when the great decessio apostasy occurs that the distinction between the true church and the false church is finally made manifest mm-hmm only in the apostasy will God's true people, the right part of the Lord's body, be revealed. And say, if we're living in the time of the apostasy, well, that's going to happen very shortly then. Uh, mm-hmm. if, 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 if if we are that generation, that's my comment. It says, commenting on Apocalypse chapter 8 verse 12, which reads, quote, And the fourth angel sounded a trumpet, and a third part of the sun." And a third part of the moon and a third part of the stars were stricken. So that a third part of them would be darkened and a third part of the day would appear as night. Now Ticonius comments on, on, on Apocalypse chapter 8 verse 12. He says this. The sun, moon, and the stars are the church whose third part was stricken. Third is a designation, not a quantity, for there are two parts in the church. One of the day, and the other of the night. Therefore, for this reason, it was stricken that it might it might become apparent which is the third part of the day, and the third part of the night, which is Christ's part, and which is the devil's part. The apostle John did not say it was stricken and it was darkened, but so that it would be darkened and would appear since it did not appear as night at the at the moment it was stricken. But it was stricken, that is, handed over to its own desires. For this purpose, that as their sins become more abundant and extreme, it would be revealed in due time. Mm-hmm. To sum up, Tychonius holds that there are two cities in the world. One of God and the other of the devil. And at times, he speaks of both of these cities as being Bipartite In other words, two parts that are That are held together Yet Tyconius does not divide humanity Into four parts, as noted above He actually envisions humanity To be only tripartite This is because He speaks of the false brethren One of the three parts As falling into both categories At different times The false brethren Appear to be a part of the city of God Which is a church but actually belong to the devil. They spiritually inhabit the city of Babylon, even though that is not outwardly recognizable. Mm -hmm. Not until the church is stricken as a result of the great falling away or apostasy will the false brethren be fully unmasked and uncovered. Only then will the true church and the false church at long last become conspicuously distinguished paul i think that that's the, i think we're seeing the beginnings of
2: that right now Hmm. yeah um if we're seeing the beginnings of it or you know you know as i as i mentioned earlier jess as as this battle is waged throughout history uh you know maybe god uh you know he, you know he can put the brakes on it. Uh, he he's intervened before and yeah. and done just that. Uh, there was the the Tower of, of Babels is an example, you know, where God intervenes and says, "No, nope, not yet." And so uh, I'm not, you know, I don't I don't think I can say definitively that hey, uh, this is it, this is the end, because there could be an apostasy so far beyond what you and I can imagine at this point you know, that's, that's yet future, but we know right now, this is the battle for our life. And we're either going to go down, um, you know, with our swords in our hand, uh, uh, you know, if this is the final battle or we're going to be victorious along with God and beat this thing back, you know, for a while, uh, only God knows that. No man knows the day or the hour, you know. But uh, yeah, I, but I would agree with you. The signs, all the signs and the tea leaves, uh, when you look at the world, when you see where the world is is going with this, um, you know, the world wants to come together in unity. And trust me, they don't want to come under the banner of Christ. It is exactly the opposite. It is this woke ideology that the world has gone for, hook, line, and sinker, and you see, and and the author mentions this, uh, he mentioned it earlier, he said, uh, you know, we have no king but Caesar. That is what uh, the Jewish leaders of the day said, and today what we see is we see a lot of prelates within our church aligning with Caesar yes uh and persecuting those who and, and that's okay too because sacred scripture tells us those that live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution but we should not be afraid of that suffering because suffering is what perfects love yes amen Suff, yeah suffering shows us that we, and you know, it it defines our love. Uh, Love without suffering is just, uh, you know, just warm feelings and Uh, And and, and, in the opposite of that, suffering without love is, is just cruel punishment. But when you combine the two together, it was that it was that suffering and love that brought about the redemption of mankind that Jesus Christ wrought for us. He merited for us. And then what he did was he says, follow me. And now pick up your cross and he allows us to participate. He invites us into his suffering, knowing that that perfection, that suffering will perfect our love and we will be united to him forever. And Lord willing, we will behold the beatific vision. Amen.
1: Remember, without Easter, there's no, uh, excuse me, without Good Friday, there's no Easter. Yes. Church has to go through Good Friday, through the Passion, before we enjoy the resurrection. Amen. That's just the, the, the body of Christ, uh, that's us. We have to follow the head. What mm. happened to the head will also happen to the rest of the body. And, and again, yes. I think we're going through some of that right now. Everybody's going through some form of persecution on a micro level. And uh, a lot of us are going through it on a macro level when we see some of the things that are happening in our culture And also within uh, Holy Mother Church with some of the leadership, especially, you know, just uh, talking about uh, the the bishops in Germany, the way they seem to have lost their way. Yes. Uh, Let me just quote one or two things and we'll wrap it up and we'll save it for next time. It says here, Tyconius next asserts what is arguably the most arresting detail in his entire commentary. He declares that the apostasy of the end times will take place in a way that completely inverts the conventional understanding of the term. Faithful Christians usually assume that the falling away, the separation, the departure will be instigated by troves of people leaving the church. A massive exodus of unbelievers. The definition of the apostasy and the catechism of the Catholic Church is a total repudiation of the Christian faith. Plainly conveys such an idea. For Tychonius, however, the opposite is true. Tychonius understands that the great falling away of the end times will not be caused by unfaithful people, even the bride of Christ, but rather by the bride of Christ pulling away from those within her who are unfaithful. In other words, for Tychonius, it is not the infidels who will fall away, but rather the true believers who will withdraw from the evil within the church, a paradoxical reversal indeed." That's an interesting statement that would take a whole lot of time to unpack. Uh, But needless to say, I'm just going to end with this and say before we continue this next week. As Catholics, I'm never going to leave Jesus Christ because I'm scandalized by a lay Catholic, a nun, a priest, or a bishop, or even a pope. That's what the devil wants. He wants you to commit spiritual suicide. The de- I'm, I've seen so many Catholics that say, Oh, I don't go to church anymore because I'm scandalized. And guess what? That's exactly what Satan wanted. He wants to separate you from the Holy Eucharist, which is Christ here on earth. Do not commit spiritual suicide. It doesn't matter who's doing what, where in the church. I keep my eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. I pray for the Pope. I pray for the bishops. I pray for the priests but I don't keep my eyes on them. As Psalm 118 tells us, do not put your trust in men. Do not put your trust in princes. Put your trust in the Lord. Anytime you go to a Catholic church or grab your rosary, who's at the end of the rosary or who's in the middle of the sanctuary in a a statue form? The Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is Catholicism. We we pray even in the Novus Ordo Mass, you say, through Him, with Him, And in him, through Jesus, with Jesus, and in Jesus, all things are possible. Remember, as Catholics, do not commit spiritual suicide. Do not let Satan scandalize you to the point where you're going to walk away from the Holy Eucharist, which is the heavenly manna which is the antidote against sin, which is the medicine of immortality, which the Psalms call the bread of angels. That's what the devil wants. He wants you to disconnect yourself from the Holy Eucharist of Sacraments.
2: Don't let that happen. Paul, take it away talked about it in the in the gospel of John when he said will you not walk away also he turned to his apostles and they said lord where else can we go for you alone have words of eternal life and just that was in reference to believing that Jesus Christ would be able to provide his body blood soul and divinity for us you know for us to partake of Uh, this is the uh, uh, stay with the church stay connected to the sacraments be empowered in order to fight this battle and in the end you will receive a crown of life
1: amen and also remember grab your battle beads the holy rosary and make sure you're firing off those prayers those arrow prayers to heaven as catholics Saint it be. I'm going to give him the last word. Pray hope and don't worry. Worry is useless. God is merciful and will hear your prayer. That's a wrap. To retired cops for Christ. EOW, end of watch. But don't always ever. 10-8. <laughs> but always 10-8 for Jesus. Always. God bless you guys. Family, keep the faith.